You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Courtney Messingham and Chris Kleiman go way back. I mean, way back to Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, Growing up there, playing on teams that played each other, eventually coaching together. And in 2017, Messingham was hired on at North Dakota State to be Kleiman's offensive coordinator, and he had two terrific years in Fargo calling plays for the juggernaut that was North Dakota State football under Chris Kleiman and continues. And then he came to Kansas State in 2019 to be offensive coordinator here. Now, being in the Big 12 was nothing new to Mess. He had been at Iowa State from 2009 to 2013, eventually being offensive coordinator there before ending up at Indiana, Montana State, North Dakota State, the life of an assistant football coach. Welcome to the PowerCat Sources Podcast, the GoPowerCat.com podcast in which we talk to the people we consider our sources. In this football season, we're picking them off one by one, talking to the Kansas State football coaches. We started with Chris Kleiman, and we're working through the assistants and some staff members as we proceed through the season. But we're two-thirds done with that season, and we have not done Kansas State offensive coordinator Courtney Messingham. Now, a lot of fans are turning their wrath on Courtney Messingham, maybe the nicest guy I've ever met in the coaching profession. And i got to tell you, I've met a lot of nice guys. I know that the offense isn't producing a lot. I get that. Uh, And I certainly don't back away from asking Courtney Messingham about some of the problems the offense is having in the third quarter uh, with turnovers, with just generally moving the ball at times. And I'll be blunt here, though. He doesn't have a whole lot to work with on the offensive side of the ball this season. A rebuilt offensive line. He lost a senior quarterback. His receivers have been thinned out for different reasons, but they're not performing up to what they should be. And at running back, he's leaning on a true freshman that is already getting an absurd amount of attention from opposing defenses. And, oh, yeah, he had a senior tight end transfer in. Riley Moore, who was a revelation, who's been a a great asset to this team, and he got hurt at West Virginia and didn't play in last week's 20-18 loss to Oklahoma State. Yeah, things haven't gone as well as one would hope on the offensive side of the ball, but just like everyone wants the backup quarterback when the starter makes some mistakes, everyone wants to fire the offensive coordinator when things aren't perfect. You call plays, players execute plays, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But mostly good offensive coordinators try to build upon things and find things that work in key moments of the game. And that's what Mess did throughout that Oklahoma State game because not much was working. They ran Will Howard an awful lot more than they wanted to and eventually set up a huge pass play to Sammy Wheeler based off of other play calling that they had been doing throughout the game. Kansas State's offense is in the hands of a true freshman quarterback. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be 
problems that you didn't expect to have when you had senior Skylar Thompson under center. But Kansas State's 4-3. and three. They're 4-2 in the Big 12. They've got three more games to go heading into this off week. And we'll see if Will Howard and the offense can progress down the road a little bit farther before they go to Ames in two Saturdays to play the Cyclones. A really crucial game if you want to look at the Big 12 standings and the pecking order and kind of the power ratings of the conference. Beat Iowa State two years in a row. And you've sent a pretty clear message that you are in the top half of this conference, if not the top three or four. So it's a big game. But it's also big for Mess because he coached at Iowa State and was honestly fired at Iowa State as an offensive coordinator. And he's back in the conference and he's back making his mark. And a lot of what Kansas State does down the stretch this season They got the off week, they go to Iowa State, they go to Baylor, then they play host to Texas to conclude the regular season. Will depend on Kansas State's offense and coordinator Courtney Messingham. I don't shy away from asking him anything, although I have to be honest, I forgot to ask him about the two-point conversion. Still, I attempted to address the questions that you as fans might have. You get to hear what Courtney Messingham has to say. And you also get to hear that he doesn't shy away from answering any questions. And now let's bring in Kansas State's offensive coordinator and tight ends and fullbacks coach, Courtney Messingham. Coach, that was a frustrating one. Couldn't quite get over the hump once Oklahoma State took the lead. Yeah, you know, and and felt like we had opportunities. Uh, Really felt like the first quarter we had opportunities to get a, you know, score a couple touchdowns and instead got two field goals. Um you know, felt like in the third quarter, we put ourselves in third and short, uh, but didn't convert. And, and it wasn't like, it, you know, we had, we had one third and 14 or so, but the other two were third and two, third and three type things. Or you got to move the chains and, and keep their offense off the field, but more importantly, keep our offense on the field and go down and score. Because you, you knew at some point they were going to, you know, they, they got too good a running game and, and too many too many guys that can make big plays that, 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 that we needed to score and keep the ball when we had opportunity to. Well, a couple things there. First of all, let's start with those red zone opportunities that keep uh, coming up short as of late in the la- in these last two games. What exactly do you think is going wrong there? Well, I think a little twofold uh, um, example. Um, you, you know, some of the fly sweeps that that stuff that we ran this past week, uh, we made an adjustment after the first quarter of who we were reading um, and, and, and it helped us. And, and it got, obviously, uh, uh, you know, Will had a number of long runs and we had a number of third down conversions. And even the, the last touchdown we scored were off of that same play. And it was an adjustment we made after the first quarter. And unfortunately down there, there was two different times where we ran the ball a little bit east and west some sideways stuff that they held us to a, a, you know, a one yard gain or a no gain. And, put us in second and long, um, and then uh, got ourselves to third down and then didn't convert, didn't make a play. So, How much of this is um, you've got youth in the backfield and inexperience along the offensive line just trying to find their way right now? Uh, I, to be honest with you, I, I think they are finding their way. Uh, I, I will give some credit to both West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Um, both of them are extremely good defenses. Um, and most, for the most part, they're older defenses, um, guys that have played a lot of Big 12 football. So, you know, I feel like we do have to keep coming along. We do have to keep getting better because you're going to play good teams. I mean, Texas is going to have great players. Iowa State's got really good players. 
Baylor, I don't know what they have returning as much because they lost a number of seniors last year, but both Iowa State and Texas have a bunch of guys coming back defensively that played a bunch of football last year. I know this Baylor can't have a better defensive line than it had last year. That was ridiculous. No. God, I hope not. <laughs> they were so good. Um, those third quarters, what's going wrong there? I mean, if I'm correct, you three and outed throughout the, the entire quarter. Yeah, unfortunately, like I said, with, with third quarter, we put ourselves in really good third and manageable two of the three times. Um, and unfortunately, did, did not execute and didn't move the chains. Um, you know, uh, I go back to the KU game, and it's the best third quarter that we've played in my time here. Um, and, and somebody would say, well, that was against KU. Well, they're on the schedule. People are on the schedule. It doesn't matter if we're lining up against Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Arkansas State. Um, we need to come out and perform, and part of that comes back to executing. And it doesn't matter if it's against KU or if it's against Oklahoma State. We need to do a better job of, of just getting our job done. How is Will Howard progressing in the offensive coordinator's eyes? Uh, I'm extremely happy with him, and I think he's progressed immensely in just understanding the the why. And you say, what do you mean by the why? I'm talking about our protection schemes as an example. Why do we want to slide the O-line this way? Or why do we want to put the running back blocking this guy? And him really grasping and understanding those things. And um, understanding when Coach Klein's talking to him after a series about, did you see the safety roll this way? Did you, did you, did you realize it was cover one? Or did you realize it was tamp, uh, what, what people call Tampa two? And, and his ability to visualize that and spit back things that are telling you, okay, he does understand it. His, his, his answers, his, his verbiage back to Coach Klein, um, you know that he, he's got a, a mentally, he's got a picture of what's going on out there on the field. And, and that's impressive for a, a true freshman. It is. Is this almost unfair to him to get thrown into the fire without a spring football, without much of the summer, uh, and he just gets uh, I, put out my, there? My guess, my guess is he would not say it's unfair. My guess is he would say it's fortunate opportunity. Um, but but uh, the expectation of a college quarterback, um, unfortunately, they, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman or a senior uh, producing and, and, and taking care of the football and managing the game. Is, is a huge part of your job, and, and I know he's, he's – he's, I feel like he's doing a nice job handling it. Obviously, we've got to keep getting better, um, but I'm happy with where he's at in his development. Quarterbacks make mistakes. I mean, I watched that Baylor-Iowa State game. Brock Purdy, pretty darn good quarterback, make yeah. have three interceptions, a lot of mistakes in that first half. Is Will kind of – is he good at handling these things, or does he let them linger a little bit? Um, no, I, I, I think the best example is the drive right after his fumble. Yeah. Um, the, the one time they had to, to, to let it linger and, and, and you got to move on. And, um, I, I you know, I, I feel like he, he understands it. If I, if I, if I bust my tail, if I, if I do everything that I can to prepare myself to be successful and my, my teammates see me doing that, um, that, that, that they will stay behind me and stay with me. And I'll feel good about myself. And, and I, I think he does do that. He works as hard as anybody as far as getting in the film room. Um, he works as hard as anybody as far as wanting to understand what the offense is and how he fits in it. So, I, I, you know, I, I, think he's, I think he's handled things well. I guess what I'm trying to get at. Speaking of that fumble, how did you handle that? I know I didn't handle it well. As I, it was just almost like everything happened in slow motion. You're like, how did all of that happen in sequence yeah. to be that well, bad? 
I think my comment was something to the effect of, uh, you got to be kidding me that it went <laughs> right to him. And, and, and unfortunately, because of the, the action of the play, all the rest of our players are over on the other side of the field. And, and you see Deuce Vaughn uh, sprinting down, trying to get down there to give it at least an opportunity to, to, to try to get a tackle. But we just didn't have anybody in that vicinity. And, and it spit right out to the guy where they hit him basically on the stride. And, and, and unfortunately, that's the way it ended up. That's football, man. That's just so football. Yeah. You That happens against you, and meanwhile, you get a sack fumble that an offensive lineman just drops right on, falls at his feet. That's just the, the chance of football. That, you know, craziest thing ever is, and uh, obviously where, where the press box is, the view of uh, Wyatt's sack, and all of a sudden that old lineman kind of like chasing behind Wyatt, and the damn ball comes right right to him. It's like, how how fortunate are you and unfortunate from our standpoint? My dad was a former high school football coach, and he, he always said they, they put points on the end of that ball for a reason. They didn't <laughs> want it to bounce the right way. Um, yeah. Let me ask you about some more personnel. What has Bradley Moore meant for this program? Uh, I, I think he's just uh, done two things. He's done a great job from a leadership standpoint. You know, I think one of the first things that uh, – Sammy Wheeler said to Coach Kleiman was, man, I'm fired up to have him because I'm going to be able to learn things from him because his personality lends it himself to being able to interact really, really well with his teammates. And, and obviously he's got extreme, extremely good ball skills. And, and the thing I'm the most impressed with, to be honest with you, is he's not a bit afraid to block. He'll put his face on you and, and do the things that we ask him to do from the, the run game standpoint as well. So I, we've been fortunate to, to have him in our program. He just seems like, uh, I don't want to say Godson, that's too strong, but with a, with an offense now that uh, lacks experience and your senior quarterback goes out, to have a guy like that, even though he's missed a game and a half yeah. now, is just invaluable. It really is. And, and I don't know if you saw it on the TV or, or, or those types of things, but you know, he's one of the first guys talking to Will Howard uh, between series. When when Will's coming off the sideline, whether it was the the, the fumble or whether it was uh, when he when when he scored, um, uh, he's one of the first guys talking to him. And and you know that that's that that just means a lot from our culture standpoint that a young man comes here and in a short time frame because of the, again the COVID situation has has fit right into understanding that it's about people and relationships and. And being in it for each other, and and that's why he's a great fit. Deuce Vaughn, um, I think you should take some genetic material and take it up to Vet Med <laughs> and have him cloned about three times. Uh, I mean, he's just a consummate K State football player, and the fact not because he's a good player, but the way he handles himself. It, uh, you know, I always get nervous uh, when you put freshmen uh, in in a position where they have to speak with the media. But Deuce and Will, uh, those guys are, are phenomenal at not um, at not getting overwhelmed by the position that they're in, mm-hmm. and and I've been really happy with 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 both those guys. As, you know, and, and Deuce obviously more than Will from the standpoint of he's gotten some national recognition. He's had some big time plays that he's that he's made against big time opponents, and he's done a great job of taking it in stride and understanding that none of it would happen if. Uh, if the guys around him weren't helping him make plays. What have defenses been doing to take Deuce away a little bit more than he was in earlier in the season? 
Well, I think a little bit, uh, you know, as an example, Oklahoma State, they played a lot of what I would consider to be kind of a bracket coverage where they've got really three guys over two guys, meaning that they've got they've got three guys that are reading basically what your two receivers do on that side. So as an example, the X receiver and the tailback, they got three guys covering two. And actually what Oklahoma State ended up doing is they ended up saying, well, heck with that, we're just going to put the corner one-on-one with the wide out and then had the safety and the number 20, their inside linebacker, two-on-one on Deuce. So the, the ability to, to, quote, take him out of the game, they were able to do a good job of, of, of really, really IDing where he was at and having two guys matching him. Mess, this is a kid in his seventh college football game, yeah. and teams are doing that to him. What's that say? Well, it, 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 all you got to do is look back at our first six, seven games, and you're going to see not all, but a lot of the explosive plays we've had. 22's been involved in it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you haven't had enough of those. Uh, I'm just going to ask you bluntly: What well, is going on with the receiver position? Well, you know, two things. I think uh, one, uh, all of them got to continue to stay healthy, and two, the guy that they were used to getting the ball thrown to them from is 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 not playing right now. Um, and and. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Gill uh, has an injury that puts him out, and, and Malik's had a few things that have kept him from being able to play full-time. Um, Chebastian has been kind of the warrior that keeps going out there all the time and has had some really good games, but then had games where maybe didn't didn't get as many targets and didn't play as well. But um, he, he shows up every single week, that's for darn sure. Um, and, and then, you know, as a, as a collective group, you know, we've not been in a position probably where we've thrown it as much as we would have if Skyler was, was throwing that thing around. Yeah, I I mean, it seems like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong with the receivers. You got someone leaves, Viking Gill, who was, you know, such an important part of that because he just made plays, injures yeah. himself. It's just, it's been unfortunate to watch. And I, I uh, think DJ Render sums up pandemic football for me. Here's a guy that was a receiver, then he was a safety. Yeah. Then he was a receiver, and all of a sudden he's a receiver getting playing time, uh, a bunch. and having yeah. his opportunity present itself. And, and honestly, without the pandemic, I don't think that happens. Yeah, you, you know, and he's the 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 perfect situation has happened for him to just take full advantage of opportunity to get on the field. And and he's had some some games where it was like, man, he got targeted two, three, four times. And you'd say that guy wasn't in your top seven uh, when the season kicked off because he was a DB, you know, Crazy. so he's taken full advantage of it. And, and I, the one thing that I would tell you is his teammates know he'll do whatever he can figure out how to get on the field. And that's a phenomenal thing. The offensive line after Arkansas state, uh, could have driven me to drink. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but they've come a long ways, and and they're healthier now. I mean, they're kind of settled yep. into some spots. How much better are they? Well, they're a lot. They're they're they've come a long ways, partly because knock on wood, um, they've all been able to stay in practice. They've all gotten legitimate playing time in games. Um, but you know, sometimes people don't realize that with the with the close contact COVID situation, a young man maybe is missing for two weeks because he's a uh, not not sick, but just not able to go practice. And people don't realize that sometimes. Um, and everybody wants to think, 
well, you know, it's still football and they know their drills and they know the work they should be doing. And they know that, no, you got to work as a, as a group of more than just five. You got to work with the tight ends. You got to work with the fullbacks. You got to work with those other four offensive linemen. And, you know, I, I happen to uh, like to play golf quite a bit. And if I take two months, three months off, two weeks off, generally I'm not going to play nearly as well as if I've played every day. And people think that now nah, they'll just throw the ball out there and they'll, they'll be able to do their job. But practice means a lot. And, and getting reps means a lot. Yeah, it does. And uh, luckily it looks like you got some young guys. Carver Willis has gotten on the yeah. field a little bit. Some other guys probably need a little more mass to, to get on the field. But yeah. you've got to feel good about your young offensive linemen. Oh, feel really good about Carver, and and you know, obviously uh, he he's a young man that, that if we can keep getting him more reps as this next three weeks go will will help. Um, but Cooper Beebe is a great example mm -hmm. of of a young guy that not having spring ball, not having full time go summer, full time go two a days slash fall camp. Um, I've been seeing him really grow as a player the last two and three weeks, and. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I felt good about this past game was we were able to get under center and run the football downhill. Um, knock on wood, we've still done a decent job protecting the quarterback. Not great, but we've gotten much, much better. And our quarterback understands, hey, I can't hold this thing. I got to get the ball out of my hands. Because, uh, you know, like I said, knock on wood a little bit. But uh, to this point, we've been fairly good at taking care of the quarterback from a sack standpoint. Yeah, you have. Uh, your fullbacks, another position you oversee. Mason Barter, Barda, Jacks, Deneen. Interesting combination. They kind of have offsetting skill sets, at least in my eye. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they do. Um, you know, Jacks, uh, uh, for being a fullback, really has good hands and really has good quick twitch. And, and um, we're obviously, we're able to get him the ball a little bit this past weekend. Um, and then Mason just understands the whole thing. He, he can do it all. He just, uh, I, I, his skill set is definitely different than Jack's, but is mentally understanding things, understanding football. Um, you can tell he's a coach's, yeah. uh, coach's son. Um, cause he, he, it doesn't take him long to pick things up. No, Jack Stanine. Um, he might be the most athletic, non-athletic looking person I've ever seen. He's really, when he's out there, I'm like, that kid's a football player. Oh yeah, he is. Well, I'm going to tell you, he looks uh, a lot better at 235 or 240 than he did last year. A couple of times when he was about 261. Oh, um, but, but I, uh, he, he plays with a, a ton of energy um, and he, he's physical. Um, he's, he's not one bit afraid of uh, trying to, uh, um, you know, lay the wood on somebody and plays a physical, hard-nosed, old-school fullback. That's for sure. Hey, let's take a little pause right here, and we'll come back on the other side of this short break with more of my interview with Kansas State Offensive Coordinator Courtney Messingham. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Okay, I want to shift gears. Uh, You mentioned your golf game. Uh, How nice was it that the uh, football gods gave you an off weekend, an off weekend, may I put parentheses around that, during the Masters, you get a fall Masters and an off weekend. Yeah, well, I, I will be watching a bunch of golf this weekend. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's going to be crazy though watching it because of the pandemic. You will see things that you never knew were even there because of the crowds. Right. And now all of a sudden it'll just be grass and 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 or trees and water that type of thing that normally there's a grandstand there. And I'm assuming they won't probably have any grandstands or those things hardly there. Just just the the backdrop. So that'll be interesting to see the course layout. I saw a picture the other night where I'm assuming it was the ninth green and the 18th green. And you're like, Oh, wow. They're, they're right there. And there's the, the, you know, cause you, you don't ever really get a chance to see how the layout of the course is. Who's your guy. Is there anyone in particular that you are kind of a fan of? Nah, you know, I, I I really uh, I really like Spieth, but he hasn't been playing well enough that anybody will even see him probably this year. But he seems to always play well at the Masters, so you know he's probably got, if not, you know, probably just one win. But he's probably been second two or three times. So uh, I'll be interested to see how he plays. I just want you to know that in preparation for this interview, I actually looked at golf odds for the first time in my life, so that yeah. I was kind of caught up on who's the favorite. And well, I'm betting DeChambeau is yeah, probably the favorite. He is. Yeah, he is. And plus, it's the best name. So that's how I would bet it right there. <laughs> but Dustin Johnson's up there with him. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be interesting. I might even peek in a little bit myself. I'm not a big golf guy, although I'm from a golf family. But uh, the Masters in the fall, I think that's going to be very interesting with the colors changing and everything. I think it'll be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, know. I know one thing uh, that, that it won't be the, the azaleas won't be in the, the, the look the same as they normally do. That's no, for sure. They won't. They won't. And you probably haven't been able to sneak out onto the course anytime lately, even though it's nice weather and you're stuck yeah. in the office. What a mean boss you have. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty good boss. Yeah. <laughs> A year and a half in, where where do you think you are as a program? You know, I, I think we're we're moving it in the right direction. I think that our, our players are starting to understand how much uh, how much we want them to take ownership of of who the program and 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 what the program is. Um, obviously, there's a great tradition here, and there's been a you know, I mean, are you kidding me? Getting the opportunity to come here and, and coach at, at Kansas State's phenomenal. And we feel like for us to get back to some of the places that K-State has been over the last 15, 20, 
25 years, it's got to be continually grown from within and the players understanding that having ownership is huge and, and truly understanding that it's about the process and it's about doing things right, not just on the field, but off the field, in the classroom, you name it, just doing things to be, to be the right type of person. I'm a person that likes to find positive and negatives, kind of gets me through sometimes. But it almost seems like the pandemic would reinforce that taking ownership. We can't be with you guys. You are in charge of yourself. Take care of business. I, I agree with that. And and that's why some guys come back and you say, wow, you don't look like you've missed a beat. You look like you're ready to roll. And then other guys you say, no, you know, you've talked about it, but have you actually done it? And and when we get to the point where you feel like you got 120 guys all come back looking like, man, you, you worked your tail off, then we'll be in the position we want to be in. And, of course, right now, recruiting is always important. But as you try to build up the numbers in the program, it is so important. Uh, but it's really challenging right now. How, how are you handling that? Well, the biggest thing is continually trying to stay in touch with them on the phone, text messaging, uh, calling, having them call you, uh, trying to follow them, which ones are up, uh, had a good enough opportunity to, to actually play this fall. Um, most states got back to where they got some type of games in. Um, so trying to stay with them there and, and, you know, some states didn't get any. Uh, so, you know, some of those are, you, you feel obviously like, wow, if they were a senior, that that's a, that's a huge deal losing that game. So, um, you know, those, all those games, but, um, the recruiting aspect as a, as a whole is over the last 20 years has changed so much anyway. And now you throw another wrench into it where you're having to Zoom call everybody to show them then and or walk around showing them our facilities because there's a number of young men that have never been here yet. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And we're going to ask seniors in high school who may or may not have played a season of football to make a decision on a college that they probably have not visited. Yeah, and I think it'll have ramifications down the road. A lot of guys will say, "Hey, I made the wrong decision. I went to school X, and that wasn't the right place." I don't yeah, know. well, and the, the, that's a hard part too because uh, uh, trying to get them to understand that it's about relationships, it's about people. Well, it's a lot easier to get to know somebody and really feel comfortable with somebody when you're having truly in-person conversations with them. And obviously, with the inability to get on the road, from our standpoint, to get out and go into their home or go to their high school and sit and talk, just in general, it isn't happening. And then you're correct. There's going to be a bunch of them that maybe have been to a place to see a game or maybe have been to a place to, to, to be on campus or be in Manhattan, as an example, but not to truly go through the facilities and see what the academic situation is and see what the... Uh, the strength and conditioning, the, the nutritionists, all those types of things, they, they don't get those opportunities. It'll be interesting. Also, another kind of pandemic-related question. You guys are in your second year, and you're trying to build up numbers. You're trying to build up experience. You're playing a lot of young guys. Um, and now the season doesn't really count. It counts, but it doesn't count particularly for the players in terms of their um, eligibility that almost seems like a blessing that the guys that you really want to get an extra year of experience um, are getting it for free. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see just how that all unfolds. Yeah. And, and I don't think, uh, you know, a lot of people have said there was no playbook. There is no playbook for how to handle this pandemic. And so many of the situations that have come up, you know, I, I don't know if I had 
would have been able to give any great input if the NCA would have called and asked me what direction or how to handle that. Um, obviously, if the Big 12 would have said, how are we going to set protocol in place? Boy, it, obviously, they had to do some things as far as getting with the doctors and finding out what was the best way to give us the opportunity. But I sure am glad that uh, you know Bob Bowlesby and the Big 12 in general was able to say, hey, we're going to figure out how to at least get our student-athletes opportunity to get on the field and play. It's incredible. You're seven games in. You haven't missed a week. You came, Maybe you came pretty close early in the season. You haven't missed a week, and some some Pac-12 universities still haven't stepped on the field. It's It's been yeah. amazing how far ahead of the curve the Big 12 has been. Yeah, the, the biggest thing, though, that I think all of our young men have to keep understanding is it, it's not gone away. It's not gone. The, the, right now it's still out there, so you've got to really be – you know, you, you got to understand that everything you do could have a ramification for the entire program. So all of us got to stay focused and yeah. locked in on that. Yeah, off weeks are, have been a time that a lot of teams have seen infections go up because guys take their guard down. Yeah. So yeah. Well, one of the early things that we really had to get our guys to understand is, you know, it's uh, like in the locker room. It's not a safe haven. Meaning, uh, don't don't ever assume that you're going somewhere where hey, I can't get anything here, you know, because you, you happen to be around one person that you had no reason to anticipate they 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 were, you know, contagious, and you let your guard down, and all of a sudden now you are. And at this point, you get infected. At this point, your season's done almost. Basically, yeah. you're, we're in that final stretch. Yeah. What can Courtney Messingham to do to be a better offensive coordinator? Well, I, I think I've got to keep making sure I'm using all the tools uh, that our guys bring to the table. You know, that's one of the things we try extremely hard is to find out what skill sets are of each individual in our program and figure out how to use them to give us the best chance to win. And, and I've got to keep doing that, especially with be it injuries, you name it, out for whatever the reason is. You better find that second, third, fourth guy and make sure you're ready to plug him in. And, and I've got to keep doing a great job with that. And probably the other thing I got to keep doing a really, really good job with is is just staying in the moment of worry about getting better tomorrow. Don't worry about what Iowa State brings to the table. Yes, part of that is practicing and getting ready for Iowa State, but it's also just worrying about what's in front of us right now today. As that game progressed Saturday, I – I didn't envy you trying to call plays because about the only thing that was consistently working was Will running, which you probably don't want to do as much as he had to. But you were able to build off of that with that that kind of read he was doing. And on the Sammy yeah. Wheeler pass, I can't remember if it was a linebacker or safety, yeah. you caught him watching the backfield instead of tracking Sammy. Yeah. And that pieced together really nice. That had to feel good. Yeah, you know, and, and we felt like uh... – that, that one thing did set another up as an example, running some of the, the, the speed sweep stuff, whether uh, whether it was a quarterback keeping it or, or flashing it to a deuce. And then, and, you know, that, that gave us opportunity to change the eyes a little bit of the defensive backs. And it gave us opportunity to get some big plays. And, and for us to win football games, really for anybody in the country, you got to take care of the football and you got to have explosives. And, and we, we had a number of explosive plays that we've got to keep getting. Off week, then you go to Ames. Does the Iowa State game mean anything more to you, having been on that staff, been up there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, having coached there and, and know a bunch of people there, uh, you, you want to have bragging rights and you, you want to win that football game. But 
Um, the biggest reason that it will mean a lot is for the things that we'd love to have happen. Uh, it, you got to worry about the game that's in front of you and the yeah. Iowa State game is the next one up. And, and there's a lot of things that are still in play for this entire season. And you don't need to look too far down the road. You need to look at what's coming. But a lot of things that, that are still in play that, that all of us would love to achieve. And in a, a larger picture, this program is kind of battling Iowa State for the next rung up the ladder. Who's going to be able to consistently climb that ladder and get up into contention with the Big 12? Um, you almost don't want them to have the success. You want to take it from them. Yeah, yeah. well, there, there's no doubt that it doesn't matter if it's Iowa State or, or West Virginia or Texas Tech. or you know, All of us are, are saying, hey, you know, we need to be the one that's in the national spotlight, the one that the, the that a recruit says, are you kidding me? I'm getting the opportunity to, to go play at K-State. And and we've got to do that by, by performing on, on Saturdays and, and also by making sure we have people in the program that are going to represent us in the right way when it comes to um, having a young man say, yeah, I want to go to K-State. Because most of the time, not in this setting as much, but most of the time it's getting them on campus and letting your players sell what we are truly all about and, and, and the type of people that are in the program. Well, you got to feel good about it. I mean, you're getting five Big 12 wins in the first season. You're on the verge of doing it again in the second season. That's tough. You've been in this conference before. It's tough oh, yeah. to get over that 500 mark in this conference and stay there. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, people, people don't realize that, uh, especially in, in this setting, every single week you better be ready to play. Uh, and, and I mean, people would say, well, this team or that team in the Big 12. No, I'm telling you, college football, um, all you got to do is just turn it on every weekend and you see people getting knocked off that you're like, wait a minute, how did that happen? Well, it's, it's who's really mentally ready to play. And, and, and physically, you got to go out and perform, but mentally, you better be ready to play. And this year, even more. You might have guys just yeah. pop up and not be able to play at the last second. It's, it's the way it is. It's 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Coach, I appreciate it a ton. I, I know that uh, you probably have other things to do than chat with me. I mean, you, you could have well, snuck in nine, man. Yeah. No, it's getting dark yeah, too early. Yes, it does. Hey, I would appreciate you. And, and anytime we can do anything for you, please, please get a hold of me. Thanks, Mass. I appreciate it very much. I hope you kind of have a better idea now after 30 minutes of hearing Courtney Messingham, why I enjoy him, why I like him. I think he's a really good dude. Does he do everything on offense that I would do? Well, no, but I don't think you want me to be your offensive coordinator. I can guarantee that. No offensive coordinator makes every great play call. And sometimes you're held hostage by the tools you have. And right now, you got to be blunt about it. There's not a lot of tools on the offensive side of the football for Kansas State. It should be a season with a senior quarterback who knows what he's doing, and instead you got a true freshman with a true freshman running back. And even that new tight end, he's injured. A lot of things haven't gone as planned for Kansas State's offense, and yet the team is 4-3. and three. Yet the team is 4-2 and two in the Big 12. There have been some really notable things that have taken place, and maybe the offense isn't as good as one would want it to be. Be patient. They're going to build up their weapons. If there comes a day when Courtney Messingham has talent arrayed across the field in which he can pick and choose who he wants to use at any given time, and they're still not producing points, then I'll be unhappy. He has what he has, and he's doing what he can do. 
That's really my best defense of Courtney Messingham. And I'm not even here to defend him. I'm just here to say patience is sometimes better than impatience. And I hope you're being patient as we work our way through the coaching staff. We've got a couple more guys to go. A couple more staff members are going to join us as we continue with the Sources podcast. And if you're not a subscriber to the PowerCat podcast, the daily podcast from GoPowerCat.com, make sure you are. If you're a K-State fan, you're going to want to hear from us as often as possible. The PowerCat podcast delivers daily during football season, although this week without a game, we've got a couple slots that are open. We'll be back on Wednesday with the original PowerCat podcast, the questions podcast. Our subscribers at gopowercat.com ask us questions and we answer. Until then, I'm Fitz and I'll talk to you later. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.